Welcome to the Heavenly Banquet. This is Charlotte, and I have Chad with me today. Say hi, Chad. Hello. Chad, I'm going to read you something from the Bible. All right. This is from the first chapter of Genesis, (laughs) verses 26 through 27. Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the wild animals of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So we have this, and we have a couple other places in Scripture, too, talking about humankind being made in the image of God or carrying the image of God. Yeah. Our fancy theological term, or it's just the Latin, imago dei. The imago dei we use so how humans have tried to understand the way that they carry the image of God into the world is sort of foundational for how we understand who both who God is Mm -hmm. and who we are God's intention for us as we are created and how we're supposed to live yeah and there's like manifold answers to this question of How are we created in the image of God? I don't think they're all competing. Uh I think it's fair to kind of play around with some of these and to see how they all inform our understanding of ourselves and of God at different times. But I do think that some of them are more useful than than others. others. Well, one one of the reasons there's so many answers is because the scriptures don't really... Tell us what that means. Yeah. We have to kind of divine it. <laughs> Very funny. Okay. So, you know, a real rudimentary suggestion here is around physical appearance, right? I mean, if we're just looking at this text on face value, yeah. right? It says this God is saying making humankind in our image, like as we are, as we look. Um mm-hmm. We're literally an image of God, the human person is. Yeah. Phys- physicality. And, um, so what is it, chapter 5 in Genesis, it says that um, Ad, uh, Adam had a, uh, a son in his image, Seth. Mm-hmm. So it's the idea that the child looks like the parent. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I think also there, maybe that's also a really helpful a uh, bit of scripture to lift up too, because we when we talk about children being in the image of the parent, we're also not just talking about physical appearance, yeah. are we? Right, we're talking about uh, kinship characteristics, yeah. values, right. um, maybe the way somebody laughs. Um, there's there's more to that two whole people share there. It's not limited to physicality. Yeah, which I think maybe pointing us somewhere here of course the issue with the physical appearance as with like any of these is that we're somehow both like god Mm -hmm. and bearing god's image in the world and absolutely nothing at all like god god so far transcends us yeah and here in particular you know our god doesn't have a physical being yeah is god between four foot and seven foot tall 
Seems like a strange question, but if you, <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was. <laughs> if you assume God is like us, or yeah. maybe God is physically like us, but 200 foot tall. Right. The problem is, I think, traditionally, we understand God to be spirit, everywhere ubiquitous, um, not limited by time and space. Right. So that, that becomes a problem if we locate the image in our physicality. Yeah. yeah. So uh, another traditional reading of this text would place the image of God in our rational mind. So here the exercise is to kind of see what distinguishes us from the rest of creation. Right. Uh, and to say that human, humanity's capability uh, to think differently, to have an intellect that works differently from mm-hmm. other creatures um, is what makes us special in some way. Mm-hmm. And that that specialness must be where we connect with the image of God or how we bear the image of God. Right. Because the text specifically says it's humanity and not anything else. Yeah. So the idea is you pick out that feature that we have that is in nothing else. Yeah. So is that right? Are, are we the only creatures on earth that are rational? Well, I think that that has obviously come into question, uh, you know, through scientific exploration. I wouldn't think that we're necessarily more rational than chimpanzees or dolphins or the other higher intellect animals, probably. Um, Crows can... Crows are awesome. (laughs) I love crows. Yeah, so that's smart. that's indisputable. Well, even even if we allow for the possibility that we are perhaps our rationality is on a certain level, I don't think we can say that other animals are not rational right. at all. You know what I mean? Right. Like the example of the crow, or yeah, I also think <clears throat> it's a mistake to place the image in. Rationality, intellect, cognitive ability, too, because the image of God isn't diminished in people with different cognitive abilities. Right. Um, so how that ends up excluding folks and the way that they experience God. And we don't have to limit the image to one thing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we have rationality. What's another possibility? Uh, free will gets thrown around, and particularly freedom of the will to choose the good. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's something that only we and God share in some sort of divinity there. Um, and again, this is connected to the idea of a rational mind. Mm-hmm. So what would distinguish us from animals here would be that we make choices. Yeah. As opposed to an understanding of animal life that, you know, my cat's hungry, she eats. My cat's sleepy, she sleeps. There's no kind of like, what do I feel like doing now Mm -hmm. process there, supposedly. Um, So that this this idea that we can both will something and do it. We are acting agents. We have the ability to make things happen. Not out of necessity, but, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, so the idea is God is free because the reasons for whatever God does comes from within God's own self. God is not necess- necessitated by anything else. 
And we kind of have something like that in our ability to choose. Okay. Right. Right. That we're inwardly motivated somehow. Yeah. Rather than, that's a good way to put it. Um, but of course we see, and the theologians are going to say, <clears throat> that's not how we actually experience our own will. Right. I mean, oftentimes, right? Yeah. I can will the things I want. Oh, I, yeah. I do want to do good things, but I don't. Yeah. The thing I don't want to do, I do. I yeah. do, yeah. Paul. I'm powerless around this cheesecake. Right. You know? So, um, <clears throat> then this this ends up being flushed out into a whole, well, what's broken or marred about the will or the image of God within us that needs restoration. Okay. Through Christ, then. Um but certainly lots and lots of ink spilled around this idea of our will being connected to the image of God. Yeah. And I think a lot of that uh, piggybacks onto this idea of rule and dominance. Okay. And as we see in that passage, this idea of um, having dominion over the fish of the sea, over the earth, that we're the the apex of all creation mm-hmm. and given a special place within creation to rule over the rest of creation there. So that does kind of give a possible description of what it means. Cause it says right there in the text that they have dominion. Yeah. Okay. What do you think about that Charlotte? What gives me pause about that is the way that it's been used as kind of subjugate Right. Or sort of we're in charge so nothing matters rather than caretaking uh, a dominion that would actually image God's dominion over the earth. Yeah. Which is something that God has created that God has said is good and that God loves in some way. If we're doing that kind of stuff, then yes, I'll take it. Right. But if it's kind of, we're number one, we're in charge. The strong succeed. Yeah, and the rest of... The right of the powerful. The rest of creation be damned. I mean, maybe it's clearer with dominion than the other two, or no, maybe not. But it looks like no with the three we've talked about so far, we're not doing great at it, if that's the image. <laughs> yeah, you know what true. I mean? <clears throat> yeah. So there's, I mean, the idea is if we did dominion well... It would image God, perhaps, or no. Yeah, I think if dominion meant taking care, care of, of. Yeah, a caretaker. Looking steward, out for, yeah. yeah. Okay. Acting as gardeners in this world rather than. Tyrants. Tyrants. That aren't very good. Mess everything, mess up everything you touch. Mess up everything you touch. Yeah. Okay. Then we have some, some ideas that look at this as far from a relational aspect. And as far as where we see some of this in the text, we're going to go beyond that pretty quickly. But, you know, even this use in the text of God talking to God's self using a plural mm-hmm. there, um, which in the Christian tradition we would would ring bells and we would yell Trinity, Trinity, or something right. like that, or at least the first and second person having a discussion probably. Um and then this idea within the passage too of God created humankind, uh, not just a human, but 
all of humankind in the image, and male and female. The worst reading of this relational image of God is to say that humans only image God in marriage. Oh. And those readings come right out of this, that actually it's only when male and female are united Uh, in that bond. That the image of God is the bond between husband and wife. Yeah, that then that becomes a complete person. Uh, okay. Uh, and like I said, I think that's the worst reading. <laughs> yeah, I caught that. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have a couple problems with that, I think. Um, one being, there's, there's, uh, we're going to get in the whole idea of what a biblical marriage is, and yeah. like, there ain't one yeah. for several books of the Bible, period. Um and it just doesn't look anything like how we understand that. That's interesting because I've never really thought of that text in that way. So what you're saying is it's them together, not apart, but them together. When right. I read the text, how I read it as both of them image God in their own way. Right. Yeah. So this is like <coughs> some, like certain circles of okay. those certain people. Complementarian. Yeah, that kind of thing. Okay. where. Where it's, you know, a man on his own, a woman on his own is not. So now there's something useful there, which I think I would be uh, very happy to assert the idea that we more image God when we're together than apart. Working together. That I will give something to. You mean single people? No, 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 just anybody, just any two people, any time. It's better working together than being divided we're and working better, against each yeah, other. Yeah, we're just the moments that we're in a relationship with yeah. one another, even with a stranger. But the times when <clears throat> our minds and our hearts meet somehow, yeah. I think more fully... Images God. Yeah, okay. than we are in our solitude in right. some ways. Um, but this is, I think, a bad reading of the text. I also think it's a bad reading of the text because of this, I don't think this binary is built into the text. This is another, now I am going to go off on a tangent now, but because I think this is important, this idea of, in the image of God, uh, he created them male and female, he created them, is going to be a place where people are going to proof text against gender fluid and non-binary and uh, these aspects. I think that's a mistake because throughout Genesis 1, we see these supposed uh, binaries, but they're not. Okay, so this is the same text that talks about God creating night and day. Yeah. There's no time when the sun just gets turned off <laughs> and then there's night. Right? Okay. So there's dust, there's dawn, and everything. Night in and between. day encompasses everything. So right? you're, you're rejecting the whole binary. Oh, structure. I am. Okay. <clears throat> and so, because that's, we don't understand night and day that way right. as there's one or the there's other. There's a range. There's all kinds of range. The same thing as creating, separating the dry lands from the water, and these kinds of things. Yeah. Hi, that's not what the shore, there's a shoreline, there's swamps, there's wetlands, there's uh, glaciers, there's all kinds that, that the text is continually asserting that God's creating everything. Everything. And so it's everything in between these kinds of extremes exactly. To and, encompass the whole. Which encompasses the whole. So right. I think this is a really fair reading of this. If we're going to read uh, Night and Day that way, uh, the other supposed binaries in Genesis 1, then when we're looking at male and female, yeah, male and female and everything in between. 
in between or otherwise. Okay. But just all humans, period. Right, humanity. Humanity is created somehow in the image of God. Okay. Period there. But let's talk more about the relational aspect of... Yeah. Well, the idea, and I think you're kind of hitting on this, is that we image God... So... We image God as individuals is kind of how we're approaching it so far, right? either with the rational mind or the will or the way we interact with creation and so on. But according to Christian uh, traditional faith, God is a trinity, a triunity. Um, and so the idea that when humans come together and work together and flourish together, that is an image of the trinity, which is eternal flourishing life together. Right. So that would be another way, I think, to think of the, the, the image of God in us. And I think it can be both. I mean, I think all of this, perhaps, all of this together in some way is how we image God. Um, but it can be both in the individual and also maybe even more so, or at least reflecting the Trinity in working together, flourishing together, seeking the good together, and so on. Yeah. Yeah. So... That points at some of this other way of getting at it is understanding sort of what's distinct or unique or about our God, right? And mm-hmm. then place coming back to humanity that way. So the idea of we understand God as a trinity, God is relational within God's self. Right. Then how would we, how could we image that? Right. right? So in cooperation with one another. And so n- the next way we could probably talk about this is another way where we're looking at who we say God is, right? So God is love. Love. Um, so that we image God when we love, love one another. Which is inherently relational. Right. Yeah. Right. That makes sense. <laughs> I'm glad you're on board with <laughs> I'm on, that. I'm on board with that. But like you said, God is, uh, if we're saying God is constantly you know, pursuing the good, uh, is reaching out in love to us, then when we're doing that, yeah. we're also imaging God there. Then the other end of this is we're generally talking about ways in which we supposedly image God, but in some ways it's marred or isn't as clear to us. Something has happened that we're not as fully imaging God. Right. So if it's rationality... We have we're terrible thinkers. Yeah, we're terrible reasoners. So if that's the image, we don't do it well. Yeah, or rather, we're really great uh, at being rash, rationalizing our way into things we ought not be doing. Right, right, <laughs> which is a misuse of those gifts. Of right? those gifts. Um, yeah. So that something maybe needs to be restored there. So each of these, yeah. So like the rational mind, or like we talked about the freedom to pursue the good, to choose the good. The will. That we know that's not our experience. Um, so something is diminished and needs to be restored there. And so then we generally, classically, mm-hmm. theologians have placed that restoration in the person and work of Christ. Yeah. Um, who we also talk about as being the image the, the of God. Image. The image of the invisible God. Right. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. So, 
going back to the Genesis, it makes a distinction, or, or it says, it says, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness. Uh-huh. And early in the church, they made a distinction between image and likeness. Yeah. We were created in the image, but we were to progress into the likeness of God um, or Christ, right? So the idea is we're created in the image, but we have to spiritually mature into um, that likeness. I like that. It's not really warranted from no. the text itself because I don't think the Hebrew text is really making a distinction. It's just reiterating. Yeah. But I still like it. And I think it's got some theological grounding, you know. I think it's true we are being, well, it tells us we're being transformed into his image from one degree of glory to another. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think there's some there's some useful thoughts in there and thoughts that I do think accord with our experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and that also accord, I think, with this idea of kind of parents and children in the image, too, that you grow into, into that the image, yeah. image and likeness. Or likeness, yeah. yeah. Uh, but like you said, I don't. The text really is reiterating a statement for emphasis. Yeah, image and likeness aren't two different things. Yeah, the, yeah. there's not a distinction there, per se. Yeah. Um, but so, I do think that gets kind of or is helpful as far as you know we're growing maturity in faith. Those that parts of our experience. Yeah, it's a process. Yeah. So here's one thing I struggle with with the image is the question, are we created so we have the image inherently or is it something we grow into? And those may not be two different things. It may be, you know, those are, those could both be true. I think I would want to assert or thing I would not want to let go of, let's say that, mm-hmm. is the idea that everyone is equally created in the image. Right. right. So there is something inherent that all of humanity shares, and whether that's, you know, just value mm-hmm. uh, as some kind of special creation of God. Right. Um, but it's obvious whatever image we have is... Corrupted in some way. Yeah. It doesn't always function well. Right. Yeah. I agree. This idea that we're created in the image is what grounds this idea that in our minds, and I think in Western society, that humanity has inherent value. Every one of us, regardless of our minds or wills. or, And because it's the image of the divine, that value is inestimable. Inestimable. You just can't put an estimate on it. <laughs> you can't value it. You can't put a price on that. You can't put a price on that. Inestimable. I'm not even going to try again. No, keep trying. Yeah. We'll stay here until you get it right. <laughs> so it's strange. We, it's so important. It's integral to how we think in terms of the Christian faith and yet it's not easy to tie down what exactly it is and maybe that's the beauty of it yeah you know God is despite what we think we might know God's still mystery transcends 
and maybe, I don't know. I mean, when I think about Christ, you know, in, in some sense, this is humanity that reveals the invisible image. It's the kind of human he was. Right. You know? And that reveals God's image in us. You know what I mean? Yeah. In some ways, when I think of him as the invisible, I'd say, oh, he shows us what God is like. But really, he's showing us what humanity is like as the image of God, maybe. Yeah, what humanity was created to for. Be. Yeah. Or is becoming. I think what's useful in all of these, even the ones that might not speak to me as much as some of the others, is they're all trying to assert our special place in creation mm-hmm. and our special relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And that every human being shares those qualities and that capacity. That's an extraordinary claim. Uh, it's an extraordinary claim to place on one another, to uh, honor the image of God within one another. And it's a big claim on us to act into the fullness of that image. Uh, whether we're talking about this relational aspect of reaching toward other people in love, whether we're talking about uh, creative pursuits. We haven't talked about that. As Art. A, yeah. Our, our capacity to make things, to create. Um, that, that comes really out of this, the fact that this reading, this uh, proclamation about humankind comes in the middle of creation, creation. right? Um, that we also create. Our creation is distinct from God's, though. God creates ex nihilo, out of nothing. Mm-hmm. We create out of the good things that God has given us. Um, and there's a way in which our creative capacity really is a capacity to bless, then, is taking the things of God and returning them, uh, using them toward a divine purpose there. Uh which is another way in which we act very divine, divine or, or image yeah. God in some way there. Nice. Um, but our idea that uh, throughout all of this, that some part of our striving is to become more godlike, more divine, yeah. and to image the things somehow that we know about God, that God is love and God is truth and God is life. And I think our capacity to choose those things or even recognize them Hmm. is a place where we um, are acting divine, let's say. Right.